Back in the win column. Welcome into episode 51 of Whoopig Weekly Podcast, your weekly source for all things Arkansas Razorbacks. Episode 51 is brought to you by Homefield, home of premium vintage collegiate apparel. Go check them out today, and you can use that promo code Variety Sports in all caps to receive 15% off that first order. And go get yourself some fantastic Razorback stuff today. And we'll just jump right in because we've got a ton of content for you today. Week 10, Arkansas gets back in the win column on the road in Gainesville against Florida, 39-36 to in overtime. And what a game this was. And so we'll jump in here with looking at stats. I feel like this is one of the better games we've seen Arkansas play all season, statistically and just overall, I feel like, as a complete game. You had K.J. Jefferson in this one go 20 of 31 for 64 and a, 64.5% for 255 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He also carried the ball 17 times for 92 yards, averaging 5.4 yards per carry and one touchdown. I don't know about you, but to me in this game, K.J. just seemed a lot more confident, a lot more calm and confident about running this offense. Yeah, the, the couple of things I noticed – that really stuck out to me the most was he he didn't hesitate quite as much before he took off and scrambled on a few plays. There were a few more design runs that went his way um, on purpose. Some of those kind of RPO heavy run favored kind of looks. Um, and then I thought Kenny got did a really good job. Um, and this was something we, we talked about kind of all year long that they didn't do enough that they finally kind of implemented in the playbook was getting him out of the pocket on purpose on plays, whether it was a play action bootleg, naked bootleg where they get him outside the pocket or just a design play, he takes a snap and he just takes off to his right. Something like that where you're not depending on your line to to pick up blockers for longer than just a, a half a second to slow him down where KJ can kind of get up to speed and be rolling to his right. He's He's got enough time to scan the field that way. Uh, a lot of times you've got, you know, open receivers kind of running flags or things that he was able to hit. I think it, I think that was a comfort play for him that Dan Enos never really called that he can run comfortably and is is good in that kind of situation where he's got an opportunity to throw the ball or if he wants to run it, there's nobody open. He doesn't have to dodge and weave through the line to get out and scramble. He can just automatically take off. He's already kind of up to speed. He's already running. He's already, you know, rolling out kind of situation. So there's a lot of design plays that they implemented and ran against Florida that they kind of hadn't – I hadn't seen enough of that all year, and I think that was instrumental in our success. Yeah, I mean, you you look at it from even just the first drive of the game where they came out and just worked their way downfield. It seemed like seeming, seamlessly like they've been doing that all year, but that's not the case. And you see we had good results where it marched right down the field, first drive game to score a touchdown. I mean, that's what happens when you can play to the strengths of your quarterback – and not try to force him to be something he's not. And so I think that that's that's a big thing here. You know, I, I personally was down in Gainesville for this game. Fantastic environment in the swamp. You know, incredible. But it was cool to be down there for what I didn't realize was the first ever win for Arkansas in the swamp. So Yeah, I didn't know that either. That was definitely kind of a cool tidbit. <laughs> a weird cool. year to get that that uh, check mark on the resume, if you, if you want to call it kind of that way. But because it's been kind of a rough year outside of that, but that's definitely one you can hang your hat on and try to kind of propel yourself towards the end of the season. Right. And and hopefully we can build on this win and take this momentum and carry it throughout the rest of the season. And and you look over 
to our rushing stats as well. We had Rocket back this game. He's looking more and more like himself. And you kind of see when KJ and the passing game and his game is working, Rocket just benefits from that. In this game, he came out with 18 carries for 103 yards, broke the century mark, and had averaged 5.7 yards per carry. He also had two receptions for 14 yards as well. So heavily involved in this game. And I think if it's not for Rocket and KJ, Arkansas doesn't win this game because right near the end of this game, these guys put the, this team on their back and won this game for the Razorbacks. Yeah, there's no doubt about it, man. Um, you know, kind of an overarching theme of this game, it, it kind of almost felt like the BYU game where we got out to a kind of a quick 14-0 lead, um, got the touchdown, drove down the field, and they had a scoop and score um, to get it to 14 to nothing. Very, very similar feel to the BYU game where we went up, had that quick punt return to get up to 14 nothing, and then let them come back. Um, un- unfortunately, the BYU game, we weren't able to hang on to it. But this one, defense did just enough to kind of keep us in it the whole time like we thought they would. And then the offense also kind of did just enough to keep us in it. Cam hit a couple of big field goals, and and then it came down to crunch time and overtime. Um, at really, it took Florida missing a field goal for us to get to overtime. So we had a couple of lucky breaks go our way. Can't, can't overshadow that, but then – came through and really played well in that overtime period. The defense stood tall, forced a field goal, and then we were able to score the walk-off touchdown. So a lot of good things in this game. Definitely a lot of mistakes to clean up, too, and, and things to build on, at least. And it, it's it's a lot easier to, to build and have some success and grow after a win than it is after a loss. Yeah, that, that's very true. And in this game, like you said, I was getting major deja vu vibes after we went up 14-0, and then you have – them come right back in it and I really was like please don't be the BYU game all over again but luckily you know this defense like you said was able to stand tall in that overtime period but it's one of those things like you said it took a missed field goal but if you kind of think about it you if you watch the game and you know anything about that most likely if things would have been called properly that field goal probably shouldn't have even been kicked to begin with. And Pittman addressed that in his post game. said he talked to the ref, them not following the substitution protocol, then that would have been a 10-second runoff, leaving no time on the clock and going straight to overtime. So kind of ironic that, you know, even though they got to kick the field goal, they missed it, and rightfully so. Ball doesn't lie sometimes. You know how that goes. There, there was some controversial plays, um, I think, the university even reached out to the the SEC officiating department on a couple. There was a a fumble in the game that was pretty clearly a fumble that the uh, the refs deemed that they blew the play dead before the ball was stripped out. And if you if anybody goes back back and watch a replay of that play, um, it's pretty clear that the ball was on the ground before any whistle was blown. But thankfully, it didn't end up costing us the game. Um, like it seems like some of those kind of officiating calls in the, in the previous years have hurt us. The, the Auburn Bo Nix play really comes to mind. But anyways, definitely a a game where things weren't the cleanest, they weren't the crispest from really any facet of the game, whether it was our defense, our offense, the officiating, special teams on both teams. You know, I mean, there was a lot of miscues here and there, but it was nice to to be the benefactor of some of those miscues and and get a win. Yeah, that's very true. So we'll run through the rest of these stats real quick. So A.J. Green in this game, he also got some carries in this game, 10 for 34 yards, averaging 3.4 yards per carry. He also had one reception for 18 yards and a touchdown. So he had that first touchdown of the game on that drive on a little bit a little bit of running back wheel route, just going out wide and 
you know, run up towards the end zone and KJ found him wide open. And then you jump over to receivers. Andrew Armstrong read all, led all receivers, three receptions, 103 yards. So, you know, that, that that's a pretty good day for, you know, having a receiver over 100 yards, running back over 100 yards, and KJ having nearly 255 and 100 as well himself. So th- this offense, you can just tell they seem different. They seem more bought in, if you will. You know, Ty Washington, two receptions for 37 yards. Tesla, four receptions for 31. Three receptions for Tyron Broden for 15 yards in that game-winning touchdown. So, yeah, this this offense just seemed more enthused and very much wanting to play for Coach Guyton. They played harder. Uh, you, you could tell. And then, I mean, realistically, I think a lot of it really did come down to some of the plays that were called. It didn't seem like we were running the same plays over and over that weren't working and then just trying to beat a dead horse. I feel like that's how the middle part of the season felt. They, that may not have really been a, a true representation, but it seemed like they, they called a lot of plays that could scheme away from the fact that our offensive line is kind of struggling to pass block still. I mean – this game was not a, a, a miracle 180 on the offense. They did play better. There's no arguing that, and they definitely played harder. They passed the eye test as far as that goes, too. But there's still a lot of issues that need corrected from the offensive line standpoint. We did run the ball better, but it's not – It's it, it. we're still not where we should be and where I thought we would be kind of at the beginning of the year, if that makes any kind of sense. Um, but it's great to actually see some improvement from from our bye week and everything, where it seemed like the the whole year long, we kept on saying, "Man, we're going to have to improve to to actually get some wins. We're going to have to improve." All these other teams are improving. Alabama, you know, they they start out the year pretty rough, and they they come a long way. They're looking a lot better now. Georgia, same way. All these other teams are making mid season improvements and adjustments and things to kind of play to their strengths, and it didn't seem like we were doing that. This took us, you know, kind of getting rid of offensive coordinator to make those things happen. So it's it's nice to see them finally starting to maybe take hold. Um, we'll, we'll see how these next couple of games go. There's going to be some tough matchups, but some winnable matchups. Yeah. So you flip over to the defensive side of the ball where, you know, not as dominant per se as some other games this season, but enough to get it, get the job done. Like we said, came up clutch in that overtime period where they forced the field goal. And then we know all we had to do was get the touchdown to win the game or a field goal to tie it to push the second overtime. Your top players in defense this week, the White McLaughlin, Five total tackles, five solo, one tackle for loss. Glad to see him back after a few weeks of, you know, being injured and having to work his way back. Lorando Johnson, five total tackles, four solo, one sack, and two tackles for loss. Jaheim Thomas, five total tackles, four solo. And then the guy you can't you can't help mention this game, true freshman Jalen Braxton. He He's the guy that had that strip fumble that he returned for a touchdown that put up Arkansas 14-0 early in this game has been f- fantastic ever since he's been inserted into that starting role. You know, he, he he's one of the guys that Pittman said they expected this from him, and he's he's turned out what they expected when they recruited him into this Arkansas team. Yeah, he's been great. I think he's kind of been a surprise almost in a sense. I mean, everybody thought he was going to be good, but I'm not sure everybody thought he was going to be, you know, better than Singletary and the five-star you transfer you get from Georgia. And honestly, Jalen Braxton kind of has taken that role and, and never given it back to an extent. And now that you got McLaughlin back, you kind of earned some of his playing time back. I mean, Singletary's not getting as many plays as he was, which yeah, that's a good problem to have because he's a great talent. He is a good player. To have that depth on your bench is, is a nice thing to have. But Jalen Braxton has been, I think, surprising a lot of people and been playing outstanding. Yeah. 
Then you special teams, you can't get get through this game without talking about the man, the myth, Cam Little. Four or five with a long of 49. His only miss in this game, unfortunately, came from 50, but he's not going to miss that very often. Um, I think that it was, was a close game. one. Yeah, it was a close one. So, you know, he, he he very much kept us in this game with his four field goals. And, you know, Arkansas, not only this season, but in previous seasons without Cam Little, there's some games you can look back and those might be losses without this guy. So I, I saw a, a quote this week that I, I, I really – we, we as Arkansas fans know it, but the quote was something along the lines of the, the, the country is st- really starting to notice how good Cam Little is. You know, that might have been hidden a little bit with how bad Arkansas has been this season, but everybody's starting to take notice of this man that's probably going to be playing on Sundays in a couple of years. Yeah, he's he'll, he'll be picked up somewhere and play for a while. He, he kind of reminds me of uh, Cameron Dicker back from the Texas days. I don't think he's quite as a, a showboaty type player like Cameron Dicker was, but just the consistency and he's kind of a smaller guy, but has, has a huge leg. Um, kind of gives me that kind of that vibe, that, that clutch factor that Cameron Dicker had back when he was at Texas. And that's kind of the vibe I get from Cam Little. <laughs> Cameron Dicker's making some money in the NFL right now. Very true. So penalties this week, we had six for 45 yards. So around that five mark where it's not terrible, but you'd like to see some of these things cleaned up a little bit. And, you know, that that's been a topic all season is number of penalties. And, you know, you have some good weeks, some bad weeks, and this was a little bit week where you had a little bit more. So maybe we get things cleaned up as we come back home this week for another big SEC matchup for Arkansas against a, a very similar team in Auburn that hasn't had the best season as Arkansas or like Arkansas. And it'll be a good matchup. But as we wrap up here with Week 10, loads of Razorbacks getting Week 10 awards. You know, you've got co-defensive player of the week goes to Lorando Johnson. Co-freshman of the week is Jalen Braxton. Co-special teams of the week, Cam Little. The one non-co of the week was offensive lineman Bo Lemmer getting the offensive lineman of the week for SEC. And then Cam Little, like we just mentioned, not only getting co-special team of the week, he got the Lou Groza Star of the Week award for one of the top kickers in the country. So that recognition is coming, and, you know, it's it's earning the money. That's all it's going to do here in the future. And as we wrap up around the rest of the league, Week 10 results, Ole Miss beats Texas A&M in a close one, 38-35. Tennessee beats UConn 59-3. South Carolina beats Jacksonville State 38-28. Georgia beats Missouri 30 to 21. Much close, much closer game than I thought this would be. Auburn beats Vanderbilt 31 to 15. Kentucky beats Mississippi State 24 to 3. Alabama beats LSU 42 to 28. And we're in we're in for another exciting week, week eleven in the SEC, where, like we said, we got Auburn coming to town this week, and we'll hit on that preview and here a little bit later in the show, but we'll take a quick break and come back with Arkansas basketball news. You know what I like? I like to be comfortable. I also love representing my favorite sports teams. And in the clutch, I am able to have the best of both worlds. In the Clutch Apparel is your one-stop shop for all things sports. They have officially licensed gear from all your favorite teams and players from the NHL, MLB, NFL, and more. They have sports classic tees from yesteryear and beyond. 
check out their full website in the link down below. When you enter the promo code Variety Sports, you get 10% off everything site-wise. Feel comfortable with your sports apparel and go over to their website now at endtheclutch.com. And don't forget to use our code Variety Sports to get 10% off. All right, we are back where Arkansas tipped off the 2023-24 season this week at home in the bud versus Alcorn State on November 6th this past Monday, where they got the win 93-59. to This was a game where you know Arkansas was going to win, most likely, and it was just another good game to see what your roster is going to look like, see Musselman play around with some lineups, different guys on the floor playing together, and we saw plenty of that. And the biggest surprise that I think you see for this game is your leading scorer was Cleef Battle with 21 points coming off the bench. He didn't start this game. That was coming off the bench, and he just found his groove, and it, it went up from there. And then you had Tremont Mark with 16 points and Brazil with 13 points. Brazil opened this game up with a bang as he he scored Arkansas's first points with a, a nice one-handed jam and to get the arena fired up. So, I think there's not going to be any shortage of scoring for this team this season. No, I'll I'll add a little note there. I think there's going to be a lot of highlights from this team this season, too. We had quite a few last year, especially before Brazil went down. He's a walking highlight reel. I mean, that's that's kind of the nickname he's been earning. And uh, he's he's following that up this year. And that's one thing that we we talked about quite a bit, kind of in some of our preseason episodes and stuff. just to see, you know, is he going to have his bounce back? You know, he had a pretty bad injury tearing the ACL. Um, sometimes guys don't come back kind of their full self after that. I ain't going to lie, man. Brazil looks like he can jump even higher. I, they put extra springs in there or something for him because the dude can straight fly still. And he's come out, hit some threes. I mean, he looks like he's the exact same player we had last year, if not even better. Um, and then you stack him up with some of these guys that can shoot the ball a lot better than we had last year and spread the floor more. It's going to open up some more of those lanes for him to get in there and get some dunks. I, there, This was a dunk party, honestly, especially the first few minutes of this game. Go back, watch some highlights. There's five or six just awesome plays that everybody needs to see to get fired up for the season for sure. You got an over and un- over or under for SEC top tens this year? Or ESPN top tens? Man, I, I don't know. It's it, – they're – they're likely to get in double figures by the end of the season on a uh, sports center top 10 play appearances. It's this team's got a ton of potential to have. I mean, there was lobs, there's crazy one hand, two hand dunks. I, I mean, the, the fast break potential this team has because they play pretty good defense. I think our defense isn't going to be quite what it was last year. Not having Anthony black on the point, his defense was phenomenal. Um, obviously um, Jordan Walsh, his defense was was really one of the best things about his game. So might be a little bit of a step back on the defensive department, but dude, the scores we have, I think is a, a little bit of a different echelon, especially just how many guys we have that can shoot now. It's going to be a fun team to watch. Yeah. The big thing for me is this year compared to last year, last year, you kind of really had to rely on one, two, maybe three guys. If you're lucky to kind of lead this team in scoring and, and get buckets for you this year, you're looking at, five, six, seven guys that can any night go off and get, get you what you need. And I think that's, that that speaks volumes to the depth that this team is going to have this season. You know, any given night, like we just said, Khalif Battle off the bench with 21 points. I mean, it, when you can do that off the bench and a guy that probably would be a starter loads of other places 
wanted to come to Arkansas and play for Coach Muss because he knows what how much he can develop him and get him to the league, but also what he can do with this team. And we'll hit rebounding here real quick as Jalen Graham led the team in rebounds with eight, followed by Dennis J. Harris with seven and Trevor Brazil with six. And then I think the most impressive thing to me for this game, I, I know it was against a lower tier opponent, but an opponent that have has won their conference the previous two seasons and they're our projected second in that conference this year and to potentially win it again. This team shot pretty well, and I think we're getting a preview of what you can expect Arkansas in a season-long aspect, but you couldn't ask for a much better shooting game than this one where Arkansas went 51.9% from the field, going 28 out of 54. The stat I like to see, 40% from the three-point range, 12 going 12 of 30, and 67.6% from the free-throw line going 25 of 37. So you, it's – You'd like to see that free throw number a little bit better, but, man, this three-point shooting that Arkansas is going to have this year, your NBA average is 35%. So we're 5% above NBA average, and I think one of the guys that you've got to look at when you're talking about your three-point shooting, Tremont Mark. He came out and had a heck of a game from beyond the arc, and I think that's a piece that we were missing last year, and Musman went out and addressed that pretty hard. Yeah. He he really did. We had a couple of guys last year that that got that could get streaky and hit a few. Anthony Black. I mean, he wasn't really known for his shooting, but he could hit a few here and there. Um, I mean, Nick Smith, whenever he was healthy and and would get on, he could hit a few. But it wasn't anything that felt like it was consistent to me. Um, Tremont Mark so far looks like he's going to be a very consistent shooter. Um, battle. I, I think he has the potential to be kind of one of those streaky guys. But once he get when he's on, he's on, and that's. That's that's one of those guys you want to have on your bench. Can come in. He starts hit a few shots. He can turn the tide in a game in a hurry, just because of how explosive he can be. Brazil has looked phenomenal so far. Everybody knows Devo can kind of hit a few every now and then. You never know. And then uh, Davenport actually has a better stroke than a lot of guys think. For him to be one of our bigger guys, the guy can shoot as well. So th there's a few guys, and that's not even naming all of them because there's some more. But there's a few guys on here that really have the potential to kind of fill it up from deep. And I don't think we've – we haven't really had that. Even in these past, you know, three, four years, you only had like one, maybe two guys. I didn't even mention Pinion, but he looked phenomenal too. He hit a really deep three in this game. Only went one for two, only shot two of them, but he hit one of them, and it was from about 35 feet. But um, th there's a ton ton of potential to hit a lot more threes, to have a lot more guys getting involved from the range um, than we've had in the past. And I really think that's going to open things up on the inside. And those two games are going to complement each other because we got some guys that can really kind of fill it up from down low too, between Brazil getting inside. You got Jalen Graham, Mount, uh, Makai Mitchell, excuse me. And then Bayfall, who got quite a bit of minutes in this game as well. They all can score inside. And if you're opening up those lanes for those guys, run some pick and rolls, things of that nature. You, I mean, you're going to have a very balanced approach and that's how you beat a lot of good teams when it comes to tournament time. Very true. Yeah, when you look, when you talk about Tremont, Mark, you know, you look, he hit the game, the game tying three in a clutch situation against Purdue to force that overtime, and then you look at this game where he went four of six. So he not only can shoot the ball well, but also in clutch situations, he can make those you know big big shots. And he, you know, we talked about it last week where he said after that game, he's the type of guy that wants the ball in his hands in those scenarios. So that's going to be big for Arkansas down the stretch. So you get to see them back in action 
Friday versus Gardner Webb. And get out there. I think as the season goes on, the chances to get to see this team is going to get a lot slimmer as the season goes on with just the hype that's here. And I, I'm hyped for this season. I think it's going to be a good one. But, you know. That, that Duke matchup at the end of November, that's going to be a big teller right there on, on really how good we are and how much this team's gelled early. That's kind of been the, the muscleman thing is teams maybe struggle a little bit early on in the season or up to kind of midway through the season, trying to figure out how they gel together. I see this team already a lot farther along than last year's team was. And it may be due to the fact there's not near as many freshmen that you're trying to figure out how to play college ball with. You've got a bunch of experienced guys in this team. And I think you're already seeing that really kind of shine through already. Yeah. And so talking about basketball and, you know, what much Coach Much has done for the school, you know, Arkansas today on National Signing Day had received two more four-star recruits for Jalen Shelley and four-star guard, Isaiah Elohim both signed their NIL to play at Arkansas next season. So, you know, Musk keeps on bringing in the talent here at Arkansas. You know, you, you got these two, two guys coming in. He'll probably have another big portal hall next year as well because that's just who he is. But, you know, I, I think even now or, you know, at the end of the season, I think you're going to have to open up the checkbook for this man for what he's done and – what he can do over the next years if you just give him the, the the money and you know what he's building here it's gonna be something pretty special I feel like yeah I think as soon as he if he does pull a championship off in the next couple of years I think that's the one thing that some fans out there are a little bit hesitant on you know writing him some crazy you know lifetime contract just he's similar to like what they they just did at Kansas for for Bill Self he can pretty much coach there as long as he wants to at this point um, and a lot of fans are kind of wanting the same thing from us here. And I'm on board with it, honestly. I think, you know, he's four, five years in now, uh, four, I think, actually. And um, I feel like we've only improved year over year. Um, and I feel like our depth and the talent level across the depth of our bench has only improved year over year. You're really starting to see, like, his full group of guys in here now. I mean, it's it's pretty unreal what he's been able to do and the success that we're having out of it. And you can measure that success a couple of different ways. Obviously, NCAA tournament appearances and, and getting deep in them. But then also just the the sellout crowds you're having at Bud Walton, the hype across the state. I mean, even the TV ratings. Like, there, there's a lot of things just from a dollar's perspective, you know, that, that really are attributing to a successful coach. And I think he's checking all of those boxes. And so to your point, you know, I, I mean, if he, if he can get us to a Final Four appearance, that's that's dang near a, a championship in a lot of people's eyes, just how hard it is even to get to just the final four. I mean, they hang banners for that. And um, yeah, if he can pull that off or, or even win a, a championship, that'd be the icing on the cake. I, I think you really are to your point going to have to consider pay this guy, whatever it takes to keep him because we've had more success under him than we've had in 20 years. I was about to say, yeah, you look at the, it's been 30 years since we've made it. In yeah, thirty back to back years. You know, it was that national championship and the year after that. It, it's been that long since we've been able to put together consistent back to back seasons. You know, you have three straight Sweet Sixteens. You know, the previous two years before last year, Elite Eights. You know, this team has, like you said, progressively gotten better. And as he's building his culture, his program here, guys are really starting to see. And and not to mention, you look at the number of players he's put in the league and helped develop here at Arkansas and just the, his short time here. He's put in a ton of guys, 
and that, that there's there's going to be more after this season as well. And so we'll flip over to the women's side as Arkansas women's basketball took on UL Monroe last night on November 7th, where they got a close win, 81 to 76, where what a debut for the leading scorer as Talia Scott, freshman, came in and led the Hogs in scoring with 29 points. You had Michaela Daniels follow that up with 17 and Samara Spencer with 16. But, man, did uh, Coach Neighbors land a heck of a recruit with Talia Scott with, you know, first game here she comes out and puts up 29 points. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, as a freshman to almost drop a 30-piece in your first college game, that's pretty awesome. Um, I, this team's going to – that's that's a, definitely something to celebrate and be excited about, but I do think this team's going to have a weird year. Um the the defense was kind of funky in this game. I actually got to watch the majority of it, um, and it th- we we're very very streaky, and that's kind of been the Hogs' mo. At least the Lady Basketball Hogs' mo the last couple of years is we go on runs and then we somehow forget to play defense for five minutes, and then we go on a run again and have a couple turnovers. It it's very very kind of a strange team to watch where the consistency level just doesn't quite feel like it's where it needs to be yet, um, and, and it kind of seems like that's been the norm the last couple of years but hopefully they can kind of figure their rotations out a little bit better that, that's the one thing that I noticed is a lot of the the defensive rotations weren't quite there so somebody rotate over you wouldn't get the backside help and they'd have an open lane or open pass inside there, there was there was quite a few things that I saw that I that I think need to be addressed but it is game one so it's not something to freak out about either I think this is definitely a good learning experience great to get the win but it's way closer game than it than it ever should have been and I think everybody knows that um but they can they can score with anybody and that's that's definitely going to be one of those things that's going to be apparent all year long they get hot start hitting some shots this team can score there's no doubt about that yeah and, and then you talk about rebounding Arkansas's leading rebounder was Sailor Poffenbarger great freshman year last year and this isn't a typo she had 21 rebounds in this game led the team in rebounding so she was basically pulling down anything that didn't go in and man that's going to be big for the Ridgebacks this year she makes that jump from year one to year two and that was followed up by Samara Spencer with eight rebounds and then Miriam Dowda and Sasha Goforth back both with seven rebounds each Sasha Goforth is a great story she's glad to see her back on the court for Arkansas after she took a year or two off you know having some health problems but you know Glad to see that she's back into a healthy form where she can get back and play the game that she loves and came to Arkansas to play. So great to see her debut back. And then you talk about shooting percentages with this team. They shot 34.8% going 24 of 69 from the field, 16.7% from three-point range, fit five of 30 and 63.6% from the free throw line, making 28 of 44. Like we talked about streaky shooting, you're going to see us have nights where we have 16% from three, or you may have nights where we're shooting 30% from three. This That's just how this team's going to be this season. They're, they're not going to quit shooting them is the thing. Is there a, They all have that confidence level. I mean, you know, who cares if that last one didn't go out? I'm going to make the next one. Every single person on that team thinks that way, which is a, is a good mentality from a shooter's perspective, but that, that definitely leads to you're going to have nights where sometimes it don't always go your way and you're going to have a 15%, you know, a three-point percentage, which isn't great. Let's be real. It's really not. But 
to be able to survive a, a game when you're shooting, you know, maybe a little bit not your best, 35% from the field just overall isn't that great, then that percentage from three. And then they really weren't hitting their free throws like they historically do. Uh, the last few years they've been a, a fairly good free throw shooting team, and uh, they didn't look the best from the line. They did get to the line 44 times, so volume definitely helps there. But um, anyways, there's a lot of things to improve on in this game. A lot of things to be excited about, especially with Talia Scott, your freshman coming in and being able to kind of carry. Um, so that's that's some things to build off of, but a lot of areas we need to improve on as well. Yeah, and so they'll be back in action again on Friday, November 10th at a nice early mid-morning game at 10.30 a.m. versus Murray State at home. And then we just mentioned signings for Arkansas men's basketball. Well, Coach Neighbors got his own as the Netherlands star Phoenix Stojan. Signed her NIL to play for Arkansas as well, so she'll be coming over to play for Arkansas next year. You know, another great pickup by Coach Neighbors. I think he's building something here. Maybe not as quick as, like, Muss has, but, you know, every, every, every coach is different, and I think, you know, given the time, he can have a great program here at Arkansas. And so we'll jump down here. Arkansas women diving got back on track against Missouri State where they got that win 191 to 109. You know, bounce back from this that loss against Stanford. You know, good to see, and hopefully they keep it rolling here. And we'll hop over to Arkansas soccer, where Seth will give you the update. Yeah, so Arkansas soccer made it all the way to the uh, the SEC championship game, where they had a rematch with Georgia. This was our I don't know how many six seven years in a row that we've made it to the conference championship game, and unfortunately we lost this one again. So kept the the streak going, unfortunately, so we, we we fell one to nil. So, a very kind of low offensive output from both both sides. Um, Georgia's only goal came off of an own goal, so a really rough way to to lose this match. Um, I don't really know what else to say other than it seems like we've got a curse. We play so well all year long. We're so explosive on the offensive side of things, and you know when it comes down to that crunch time game, we make it there and just you know can't can't find a way to kind of squeak one out, but. Overall, still had a really, really good year, especially in conference play. I think that was the second conference loss overall, counting regular season and the uh, the tournament. So, not a bad year at all. Nothing to shake your head at at all. So, shaking, the, or excuse me, jumping over to the uh, the the seeding for the NCAA tournament, we were able to draw a number two for that, and we will be taking on Grambling State in the first round on Friday, November tenth at six thirty p.m. Um, we are we're hosting that, so everybody get out there. I'm sure the the berm will be kind of packed out there, like it always is. It seems like these last few uh, home matchups. So, going to be an exciting NCAA tournament. Hopefully, they can shake off that Georgia loss and kind of get things back righted and have a really good NCAA tournament run. Yeah, and so you know this was a big, like you said, couldn't couldn't get over that hump again to get that championship in the tournament, but we still had that SEC regular season champion. Ship, but you know that's big for this this team to get the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament. That's big, and so hopefully, like you said, get over that loss, get 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 down to business here in this NCAA tournament game, and get a good win. But National Signing Day also continued with Arkansas soccer. Several sports had Ar their National Signing Day today. Arkansas soccer soccer signed six players. Uh, you have Lily Boydston midfielder from Highlands Ranch, Colorado, Jalen Brownlee, defender slash midfielder from O'Fallon, Missouri, Kendall Ewerts, forward from Wichita, Kansas, Emma Parker, goalkeeper from Eureka, Missouri, Anaya Robinson, a forward from Cypress, Texas, and Keegan Smith, another goalkeeper from Bath, New York. 
So, you know, Kobe Hale doing his thing, bringing in more recruits to just keep improving this team and the culture that he's built here, this winning mentality that he's got. So, you know, all these players are going to have to fit that. And, and I'm sure he knows what he's doing with his recruiting. So it'll be exciting to see the, the development of these players and the returnees from this squad next year too. The, the cool thing I'll point out real quick is he's able to go get players from wherever he's wanting. You look at kind of the, the layout from where he's picking up players, Colorado, obviously Missouri's kind of nice and close. Kansas isn't too far recruiting Texas and then getting them all the way from New York. So being able to go out and get players from pretty much across the country, you're able to get some of the better talent that's out there that's available. And uh, I think we're seeing that and we're seeing the results of that year in and year out. This, this soccer team's legit and it looks like they're going to be legit for several years. So definitely exciting to pick up six players that are all, you know, touted, talented players. So I think it's a, uh, another one of those situations where reloading you were gonna make another run at it next year hopefully this tournament this year goes good but there's there's always next year as they say (laughs) if things fall apart (laughs) that's true so as we hop over to arkansas volleyball arkansas volleyball fell on the road at georgia where they lost the match 3-0 but then bounced back with a home matchup against mississippi state where they got that win three to zero three matches to zero and they also signed three of their three of their own players as they got a a Alexander, a middle blocker from Blue Springs, Missouri, Lolo Lambert for an outside hitter from Murphy, Texas, and Kayla Robertson from an outside hitter from St. Louis, Missouri. So, you know, bringing in more people to this very talented Arkansas volleyball squad that as we're running out, rounding out the season here, it'll be interesting to see how we finish and go into tournament time. And then we'll jump over to Arkansas softball where the DIFO effects in full swing where Arkansas signed eight new players for next year's class. And these are all very talented players coming in. You've got Ramsey Walker, an outfielder from Shreveport, Louisiana, Jaden Ramos, a utility player from Fresno, California, Ashton Reichard, an outfielder from Katy, Texas, Peyton Burnham, a right-handed pitcher from Eugene, Oregon. She was the Oregon Gatorade player of the year. So stealing a, a player out of Oregon's own backyard there is fantastic. Cameron Harrison, a right-handed pitcher from Katy, Texas. Lexi King, a right-handed pitcher from Windermere, Florida. Ava Carter, a utility player from Paragould, Arkansas. So home state talent staying home. And then almost the icing on the cake, if you will, Ella McDowell and infielder from Richmond, Texas, who is ranked as the number three player in the class of 2024. So just like you said about Kobe Hale, Coach Daffo getting anybody she wants from all over the country, whether it be East Coast, West Coast, the Midwest, down in Texas, you name it, you know, she's going to go out there and get the players she wants. Yeah, and this they're stacked, dude. Like, I don't think you can really talk high enough about how talented this, this group of young folks is. This is a very, very talented lineup. I mean, you <laughs> – it's it's eight players that, you know, you add one or two more returnees and boom, there's your there's your lineup right there. I mean, they, they've got that kind of potential. You got some pitchers off in there, so you, you're going to need more than that. But I mean, realistically, like how how she's able to reload with just freshmen and then the way she's able to that to transfer portal too. It's kind of been unreal to see that she's she's definitely uh, making a name for herself from a coaching standpoint. I think she's another person that you let her get a few more uh, playoff wins, you know, get to the World Series, maybe pull off a World Series win would be, you know, a little bit unreal, but you're going to have to pay her. There's a lot of high-paid softball coaches out there, and there's 
there's always people on the hunt for good coaches. I'll just say that. So it's been fun to watch her her tenure here at Arkansas and the players she's able to bring in and and to your point where she can go get these. I mean that that Oregon Gatorade Player of the Year, Peyton Burnham. That's unreal to to pick up somebody like that out of Oregon's backyard in Eugene. Um, I mean the Ducks have a great softball team. It's not like the Ducks have been bad at all. Um, they, they've actually got one of the better softball teams in the country. And so to be able to go get somebody like that out of a, a big university's backyard like that is is almost unheard of. So that's that's definitely something you can really hang your hat off just from a cr- recruiting perspective for her. So Coach Diefel is – she is impressing me for sure. I think it speaks volume to, like, these players just love to play for her. You know, we've talked to – what is it, two, three players now from – that played for her and they, they have nothing but good things to say about her love playing for her. You know, you have Danielle Gibson that we talked to that is back on staff now after a brief stint at Georgia, Georgia. coaching, yep. but you know, made her way back to Fayetteville just because she loved coach Diefel in this Arkansas program. So I think, I think the way coach Diefel's building, I don't want to be a comparative here, but it almost could turn into an Oklahoma type, you know, it could. culture here where, you know, like you said, you get those pieces in, you start making the playoffs more, the players are going to want to come here. And, you know, that's about to be a conference matchup within the next year. So that's going to be big for, you know, recruiting purposes, getting wins over a dominant Oklahoma softball team. I think one thing real quick too, before we move on, but the, the fans are a big part of it also. The fans show up and show out. I mean, especially these last couple of years. I mean, Bogle's been a phenomenal environment, one of the better ones in in a college softball. So, I think that's that's doing nothing but helping trying to get players as well. They see that environment, they want to come be a part of that. Have you know all the the big fan base kind of rallying around them week in and week out, and it really shows. And uh, it, I think that that makes the the players' tenure while they're here a lot more fun. Um, they get a lot more support. Just everything about it kind of meshes together and can help you kind of turn your program into a, a good program, into a great program, if that makes sense. That's very true. I mean, you, you just look at, we talked about some some attendance, you know, this, it seems like year after year, attendance records are getting broken and we're adding top 10 attendance records year in and year out for, like, she's getting this program built to a, where in the past maybe softball wasn't that big of a, you know, crowd draw, but now this team is so exciting and so well-coached and just very talented, and you can't help but love to come come watch this team play. Very true. And so as we'll jump over to our our Arkansas versus Auburn preview coming up this Saturday at 3 p.m. So no more 11 a.m. games the rest of the season, which is fantastic that that's been announced already. We've got this game at 3, FIU next week at 6.30, and then the Black Friday Missouri game at 3 p.m. as well. And in this game, Arkansas starts out favored by 2.5 with an over-under 48.5. That, that's likely to change the closer we get to the game. But to come into a game, come back home with this momentum and being favored, I think that's big for Arkansas, and we just got to capitalize on it. Auburn averages 27.2 points per game. But they've also been a team that's had their struggles, fair share of struggles, just like Arkansas has. There's been their struggles have been more based around what quarterback is going to be their their guy. They they've switched and played, you know, quarterback roulette all season on 
this guy starts this game, but then another guy finishes or, and vice versa, things of that nature. But as far as we know, we're going to talk about key players for Auburn. As of right now, it's been kind of, you know, said that Peyton Thorne is going to start for them, 6'2", He's more of a a guy that can throw and run, he, kind of a dual threat guy. If you look at his stats here, he's 117 of 183 for 63.9%. So not the most accurate compared to like a Graham Mertz that we played against this past week, but still can sling the ball pretty well for 1,269 yards, 10 touchdowns, six interceptions. So not the the best at taking care of the ball. You know, those 10 to six interception ratio is not the best there. That's almost, you know, two to one ratio right there. And then he does have 81 carries for 337 yards and seven touchdowns. So he, he he's definitely a threat on the ground, especially when you get to the goal line. So very similar to KJ, isn't afraid to pull it down and just take off. So that's something that this defense is going to have to be ready for. You jump over there, running back, Jarquez Hunter, 5'10", 210, 108 carries on the season for 636 yards, seven touchdowns. He's had 11 receptions for 94 yards. And then their top wide receiver, Jay Fair, 5'10", 186, 28 receptions for 284 yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, look at these players and what what's your thoughts on this Auburn team and what, what does Arkansas need to do to kind of have success from last week? Well, I you know, first thing that comes to mind, I do think we match up a little bit better from a defense versus offense perspective. I think we'll have a little bit more success you know, holding them under their their points per game average of 27. I think we can do that. I really do. Um, I think Florida was a better offense than Auburn's got. And you could see that, I mean, realistically. Um, so I do think if our defense shakes a few things, a few mistakes off from last week and is able to play a pretty clean game against Auburn and the crowd is going to help too. It's a home game. So there'll be communication issues, hopefully a little bit off and on for Auburn when on those key third downs and fourth down maybe situations. So maybe things of that nature will help us out. Let us get a couple of penalties on them. Um, I, I think we do match up a little bit better and can hold them, you know, kind of under their season average. And if we're able to do that, if the offense plays, you know, similar to to they did against Florida, um, not perfect, but good enough. I, I think that's kind of what we should be able to realistically expect. Maybe show a few more signs of improvement, run the ball well enough. You know, if, if Rocket can come out, have another hundred yard game, you know, I think that's a, that'd be a good, a good metric to, to measure that we're continuing the improvement trend. Um, and then KJ obviously has got to take care of the ball. I'd like to see him have a game where he doesn't have a turnover. Um, you know, he, he had a lot of games like that last year where he really was able to play clean, no 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 real fumbles. He was able to feel the, the pocket presence and not have any strip sack issues um, and then not throw any picks. Just was able to read the, the field pretty well and get out and, and then tuck the ball if there's nobody open or just throw it away one way or the other. It seemed like he's been trying to kind of force the issue this year, and I get it. You know, the offense has been so bad, you try to make plays happen, and, it, you know, the, the worst happens and it's a tip drill pick or he just makes a bad read and throws it right to somebody. So hoping he can kind of play a little bit cleaner. I think he showed signs of playing a little bit cleaner in Florida, against Florida, but there was a few moments, obviously the interception was a pretty ugly pick and uh, a few decisions I would like to see still made a little bit faster. I still don't think he's quite, you know, kind of where he was last year as far as his just decision-making. Um, but I think Kenny is really getting into in, in the situations to where those decisions aren't hard to make. Um, you, you saw him tuck and run and take off on a couple of those kind of bootleg style plays a lot quicker. He wasn't as indecisive. And, and that's really 
what can kill you when you're you know those those milliseconds are, are critical is is just if you're a half a second indecisive on if you actually need to tuck it and run or just throw the ball away you know you'll end up taking more sacks than you should or forcing a ball that you shouldn't or whatever the case may be so that's going to be the the big key for me is the the defense matching up with them a little bit better being able to hold them pretty well and then if the offense can play just a little bit cleaner than they did against Florida I really think this is a winnable game for us yeah couldn't agree more you know that that's a lot of good things you know a few injury updates for Arkansas Unfortunately, we lose another tight end, next man up mentality, you know, of Ty Washington. Almost same identical injury as Lucas, where he didn't fully break that that collarbone, but, you know, dislocated his shoulder and he's going to have to have surgery. So, you know, another guy that's starting to shine, taken out by injury. So it's going to be that next man up mentality. you know, got Varkey's gums that Pittman said has really gotten healthy. He's been dealing with a ankle injury a lot of the season, so he's fully healthy from that. So maybe we'll see him more. I know he had a lot of uh, enthusiasm about over the bye week about a walk-on Maddox Laster that he said could get promoted up. Said he really knows the offense, has played a lot of scout team, but has the chance to get out there and see what he can do. And then maybe it's time he mentioned maybe getting Shamar Easter on this offense and getting some – reps he's been a guy that didn't come in as early as some of the other guys and had a lot of talent coming in so it'll be interesting to see if we see him get a little bit of playing time this week and tank booker on the d-line should be back this week said nothing major there the one key piece that we might be without on the offensive line you hate to see us missing offensive linemen with as much as we've been struggling but patrick kudis is probably gonna be out at least a few weeks with a high ankle sprain Tykeus Crawford came in and filled in for him last week and didn't look too bad. He, you know, Pittman's in his press conference said, you know, he liked what he saw, some enthusiasm, really athletic. He said they tried to to bull rush him a lot, but he handled that pretty well just because they didn't realize how athletic he was and he was able to handle that. So, you know, hopefully he picks up and meshes well with those guys in a full week of practice, knowing he's going to come out and be the starter. But just like you said, expectations, you know, defense needs to come out and have another good game. I think we're one of the top teams in the country about forcing turnovers. You know, we've had one in almost every game this season in some form or fashion, whether it's a pick, a fum- forced fumble, some type of turnover. This this defense has really impressed me in the fact that how aggressive they are and they can get these turnovers. And then, like you said, just build upon that momentum. This is not going to be a perfect offense by any means, but if we can – take the performance we had last week, clean up a few things, and KJ getting back into a rhythm of the concepts and the play calls he likes, this this team can finish out this season on a positive note. Like we said, all three of these games we have left are very winnable by all means, especially with them all being at home. You've got that home crowd advantage, Auburn team that's struggling. you got an FIU team that's, a, you know, an okay team. Yeah. The game that worries me the most is that Missouri game. You know, they played Georgia, like we mentioned earlier in the show, really close this weekend. But that Missouri game is almost like the, those the LSU game we talked about. You never really know how it's going to go. Weird things have happened in the past. So I'm glad it's at home for us this year. And that could be that that's going to be a big game for Arkansas if we win these next two, next two, because we have to win out to get bowl eligible. And, you know, that would be a, a nice way to finish the season, getting bowl eligible and getting a bowl game after what has what all this season has entailed 
to fight our way back and get to a bowl game, I think will show some resilience for this team that this team can be turned around and that Pittman made the right decision in getting rid of Enos and doing the promotion of Coach Guyton to interim OC. The rest of the season, like we said, is going to be it's going to be an audition for him. To, he had one great game calling here, but can he continue that and follow that up with continued success and earn a high chance to come in and interview for that permanent job and you know make his name for himself? Yeah, one quick note on that. You could tell his his relationship with KJ is is top tier. There was some some videos kind of surfaced on on Twitter, X, whatever it is now, um, of them after the game. You know, having a big bro hug. I mean, it, it. I mean, it was like a dang near a father son looking type hug. I mean, they were they were amped up, almost emotional about that win. I mean, it. You could tell that they've got a lot of good chemistry already. And uh, we. This is a stretch, but you look into kind of what next year could look like. KJ does have another year of eligibility. I don't know if he returns. I, I really don't know. This year it's been so weird. I don't even know where his draft stock is really at right now. I would have thought at the beginning of this year, you know, that he he could have been a lock to be drafted or maybe be a, you know, kind of one of those high guys that gets signed right after the draft, you know, pretty high for a decent a, a decent bonus. Um, I'm not really even sure where that's all going to land now and what all decisions he's going to have to make at the end of the year on potentially coming back. I mean, realistically, he, he might be making enough from an NIL standpoint to make it make sense to come back to college instead of trying to go pro and, and, almost getting a pay cut, if that makes sense. You know, that sounds a little crazy to say that. But um, so that that's something to think about, especially when you think about who you want to have as your next OC. If KJ is wanting to come back another year, you know, and him and Coach Guyton have had a lot of success together, especially these last couple of weeks, depending on how those go, I think that's even more of a factor on maybe trying to keep Coach Guyton at least for maybe a full year, seeing what happens for a full year, giving you know, kind of a one-year type promotional deal I don't really know exactly how that would work um, with his current contract and how that's all shaped up but there's going to be a lot of things to think about and, and it's not all just going to be on you know how, how good coach Guyton does the next couple of weeks it's I think some of it is really going to depend on what KJ wants to do I mean because it kind of has shown you throw him with an offensive coordinator he doesn't mesh with things may not go kind of how you're expecting and if you're wanting to keep KJ another year and, and take advantage of some of his talents, you got to think about that, you know. But then at the, on the flip side of that, if you're wanting to kind of flip the script on the offense and maybe go some different directions on your scheming, then you may have to make some changes. I, I don't know. So I'm excited to kind of see how the end of this year goes and how it affects KJ's decision-making and how that will affect kind of the the coaching decision-making long-term. So a lot of interesting things going to be coming our way over these next few weeks on how that's going to, you know, kind of shape up what next year looks like for us. That's very true. And I think more than KJ, too, you look at some of these other players and recruits, you know, how they gel well with Coach Guyton, you know, that you keep him. And if KJ decides to move on, like have another successful guy with Criswell coming up to replace KJ. And, you know, they have very similar games, very similar play styles and talents. So, you know, if it works well with KJ and Criswell and Guyton get along well, I mean, what does it hurt? I mean, at some point when you look at all offensive coordinators gets their start somewhere and, you know, maybe we find a gym here with coach Guyton just needing that opportunity and we, we give to him. I mean, you look at Travis Williams and coach Woodson, Travis Williams was a linebacker coach and we gave him a chance. He came over from UCF and, you know, look at what he's done with his defense has really turned him around. 
not not saying Coach Gunn could do that, but that that's the type of chances you have to take. I know a lot of people might be on the fence about going the route of never been a coordinator before has been a position coach, but hasn't been a full-on coordinator before. But at some point, is that higher better than bringing in an outside guy where you're going to have to relearn a you gotta, another whole new offense? Yeah, you got to kind of weigh that risk versus reward, you know. I mean, th- there's definitely going to be some tough decisions have to be made at the end of this year, and, and a lot of it is going to key on how well these next three games go. If, if you know, the offense keeps improving, you win against Auburn, yeah, I would expect us to win against FIU. And then I don't know about the Missouri game. I, I'm on the fence on that one. I feel like we could win it. I just I don't I don't I don't have a great gut feeling. But if you can keep it close, I hate to say we we lose another close game. I'm sick and tired of losing close games. But um, I think you could make the argument to say you know give Coach Guyton a full year and a full off season to kind of implement his own things, take his take his tweaks and twists on the offense. I mean it's very similar to a kind of a Kendall Brown's offense, but maybe some different wrinkles in there. And you know to your point, he could be kind of a diamond in the rough type guy. I just you don't really know that until you you give him a full shot, and he's getting a half a shot right now. So it, it's an exciting time to see if things do bounce back, kind of the way that we're hoping they do. Um, like like we said, I don't think any things are going to be you know miraculous one eighty turnarounds, and we're just going to look like the best offense in the world out there. But there's been improvement, and I think that's something you can grow on and be proud of. So it's been a fun week. It's it's nice to have an episode where we're not talking about a loss. That's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's so true. And as we wrap up here, upcoming events for Arkansas, like we mentioned, Arkansas women's basketball will be taking on Murray State on November Friday, November 10th at 10.30 a.m. Arkansas men's basketball will be in action on Friday as well against Gardner-Webb at 7 p.m. You've got Arkansas soccer versus Grambling State at 6.30 on Friday. So a lot going on this weekend in Fayetteville. Both basketball teams playing. You got soccer NCAA tournament. You've got football home this weekend. So there's plenty of Razorback events for you to get out there and catch. You've got Arkansas volleyball going on the road to Alabama to at 6 p.m. on Friday. Football against Auburn November uh, at 3 p.m. Basketball back the following Monday at 7 p.m. And then Arkansas women's basketball that following Tuesday at 7 p.m. taking on UALR. And Arkansas men's basketball, it's all just coming together, you know, busy time of the season, but things are getting ramped up and you will have a lot of content for you going forward, but don't like to like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple podcasts and Spotify. So you don't miss anything. We have social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go find us there. So you don't miss out on any midweek news while we, we wait till the next week's episode Go like our YouTube page. That's where a lot of our content's going. And again, thank you for listening to today's episode of Woo Pig Weekly, and we'll be right back here next week. 